welcome to the Retro Blood. You are all my children now. You want to know what happens to an eyeball when it gets Get a ski report? Uh huh. They're calling for heavy snow and a good base, so it should be fine. Alright, we're almost there. Let's get out on those slopes. But it is, it gives the dead the appearance of life. It is not the appearance of life, it is life. This is not magic. As you say, I am a scientist. We'll tear your soul apart. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to the Retro Blood. As we continue our iced month here on the Retro Blood, we're going deep into the snow, deep into the ice. We're seeing what's happening in these horror movies that have iced themes to them. Speaking of iced, up next, if you like drama, especially drama, if you like timeshares, if you like... Dudes fighting each other over skiing. Uh, one horny girl and uh, a chick having a lot of bathtub sex. <sighs> Boy, this is a review for you, brother. Because the Retro Blood's talking all about VHS's very own 19, 1988 Iced. That's right. Skiing. You thought skiing was safe? <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> brother, Jay Allison, James Klein, what's happening, Allison? Hey, what's up, man? There is nothing more exciting than horror movies that have to do with timeshares. Well, no, I mean it's like it's like double trouble right there. All right, <laughs> like you got to fucking you're gonna get killed, and you have the sales guy talk to you and make you buy some shit. <laughs> I mean, come on. So, but yes, everybody, me and Allison, we just got ourselves a uh, a lodge. We got this timeshare going on. <laughs> was that like a big thing in the 80s or something? Like, is that where they they're, they kind of started or? I don't I Probably, yeah. I mean, I think it was a big thing in the 80s. I mean, it's a pretty big thing now. I mean, people are selling timeshares all over, you yeah. know. Just pay us a little bit of money every month and you'll get this vacation place that you can never use. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff in this movie. Um, yeah. I was very surprised. You know, you're the one that picked this out and I was very surprised of like how much I liked it. Because at first I didn't know if I was really? gonna like it too much. I was like, man. But then you know, once you watch the whole thing and you like, and then you like reminisce about it, you're like, wow, there's a lot of like fun stuff to talk about. So this is gonna be a very, uh, a very fun one with Ice yeah. straight to VHS. Yeah. Um, straight to VHS. Absolutely. Yes. If you thought no theater on this. Yes, no theater on this one. You know, this is like you know you go to the the local uh, you know tape rental store and you're just looking around like, oh, okay, this movie is about ice. And it's a horror movie, and it's in the snow. I mean, what what more could be crazier? You know what I mean? What could be crazier than, yeah. you know, being snowed in and shit? Exactly. I mean, you know, it's, you know, how could you not want to see this? Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, just the video box cover alone may, is worth seeing. Yeah. You know, when it says, first he chills them, then he kills them. Like, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. You got to, which you is gotta, weird because he didn't do really any of that. No, he didn't <laughs> really. No, 
didn't do any of that. And, um, you know, there's a, I would say there's a big swerve in this movie, but there's like a little bit, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah, there's, there's a, there's a lot of like fun stuff to talk about, um, when it comes to the, the plot yeah, the- line of this. Um, and then there's a couple, uh, you know, every, every so often on, um, on these shows, I like to do a ask Allison, why is this happening plot? And I will do oh, that. Uh, I will do that for this episode for sure. But let's roll right into it, everybody. Let's roll out right into the history. So every Retro Blood, we do a history segment, talk about mm-hmm. what's happening in two of our favorite categories, pro wrestling and metal during the release dates of the particular movie that we're reviewing. So, you know, this happened in the past when me and Allison do these particular VHS, uh, straight to VHS uh, uh, movies. It's it's kind of hard to like pinpoint an exact release date uh, for these. Mm-hmm. Because I guess they're just not real, too, you know, too well known, or you know, the movie will come out here or come out there, different times. But the only one I can find is we're gonna be doing January first, nineteen eighty eight, brother. That's right. We're done with nine eighty seven. Get on out of here. We so <laughs> just think about it. New Year's Day. I mean, what's yeah. more exciting than on New Year's Day, everybody, than fucking going to your local video store and renting iced? Yeah, why not? Yeah, I mean, you get your popcorn, you get your little Twizzler. All right. Yeah. And to be honest with you, if I popped this shit in mine and I was about 16, I'd have been like, holy shit, this is basically a porn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. A lot of, it has a, has a lot of the, mm. you know, the 1980s uh, nudity that we need in 1980s horror movies. Yeah. A little soft porn, so, yeah. porn action going on there, brother. Yeah. It's like that Red, Red Shoes Diary. You ever seen that? Red, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't even thought about that in years. I know. With the, yeah, with the guy with the X Files guy. Yeah, David Duchovny on there. Yeah, he was the he was the ho he was the red shoe the yeah. red red he was the diary guy right yeah the he diary the guy yeah diary of all the people there or he would have fit in he, he would have been great with Ice <laughs> he would have been like the fucking uh, he would have been like the Corey character you know what I mean <laughs> like no problem but anyway wow. <laughs> before we get distracted I have a lot to talk about with this movie you can, you can tell I really enjoyed this one. Yeah. But, um, but you know, so I found a couple of things that are happening around the metal and the uh, the wrestling. So I'm, I'm going to do the wrestling first because, Allison, I feel okay. like the metal, you're going to know a lot more about this subject than me. So okay, I will do the wrestling. So I did find it was a uh, one of our, our favorite shows to talk about, Jim Crockett promotion. Boy. They ran a show on New Year's Day uh, in, yep. in Atlanta, Georgia, not too far yep. from where we're at. Atlanta, Georgia, at the Omni. So, you know, this is a big show when this happens. So, you know, January is always a, a fun month. You know, most most wrestling fans think of January as the Royal Rumble, you know. So, mm-hmm. but, you know, for other other um, uh, promotions and stuff, you know, J- New Year's Day or, or that could be a really big um, showing because a lot of people are off work, you know, looking for stuff to do. You know, the, but, you know, they even tried to like kind of re- re- reconnect, uh, recreate that with that day one pay per view, but I could see you know yeah, back in the day, but, you know, getting mm-hmm. that getting the people going on on the January first. Yeah, that was definitely a big time, especially for Crockett. Like in this area, like they would get, they would do a huge tour. You know, I think they would have a show Christmas night, and then they'd be off for a few days, and then you know they would uh, they would have their New Year's shows like first, second, third. Um, in different cities every year, they usually do Atlanta and Greensboro and like you know another another city, maybe Richmond or somewhere. 
Yeah, because um, um, with this tour, you know, what I'm just seeing over here, you know, they did the uh, the Atlanta on the first, and then they're right to Greensboro on the second. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, during this month, you know, this is, before I get into the actual show, what happened, you know, this is the month that the first ever Royal Rumble aired live on television. Uh, we talked about that show before on one of our past shows as well. Uh, that show was run by Jim Duggan. So, you know, and we just, you know, got to finish up the uh, 2023 Royal Rumble, which was a spectacular event. I really enjoyed it, too. Uh, but, you know, yep, like... Um, great show. Oh, yeah, great show. But, um, you know, it, it, most, like I said, most time when people think of the, the January month, is Royal Rumble is always, always in their head, especially e- even during this time. So, you know, 1988 is a, is a pretty special year because that's when that event actually was aired for the first time, won by Hacksaw Jim Duggan, brother. But on this particular event, we're in the Omni, all right? So we're driving the Trans Am all the way to Atlanta, not too far from where we're at, which is great. And the first match is this, great match. Jimmy Garvin and Sting and Ricky Santana, they defeated Terry Taylor, Mike Rotunda, and Kevin Sullivan. So obviously the Varsity Club uh, versus a, uh, a young Sting Jimmy Garvin, yeah. so definitely a fun match right there. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of cool. I mean to see, um, uh, you know, like seeing Rotunda, well, the Varsity Club, I guess, versus the Sting, versus Sting, and uh, um, yeah, I mean that would have been a good match. I mean that would, I mean if that was the opening match, I mean of course yeah. we're Atlanta, so we would expect a big, uh, a big uh, turnout. But it is kind of weird though, like Jimmy Garvin and Sting on the same team. Yeah, that is a weird mixed. Because I've never seen Jimmy Garvin. Well, that's not true. I have seen Jimmy Garvin as a face, but he wasn't usually a face. Yeah, I mean, I think when when a lot of you know fans think of Jimmy Garvin's career, he's mostly that yeah. very arrogant heel, you know, with the baby doll spraying his hair. You know. Yeah, and him him coming out to uh, ZZ Top, sharp dressed man. Exactly, but you know, later on and stuff, he's especially going into like you know the '90s and stuff. He would be more of the uh, on the Freebird side. So. Yeah, I remember him being in the Freebirds too, but I guess that was a little later than this. Yeah, the, uh, so when he was in the the Freebirds, it was basically um, it was like him and Michael Hayes, and they were kind of like the tag team, but they just called them like the Freebirds. But I, you know, they might have had somebody else join him. But I I'm just, I remember you know in the '90s, it was mostly the him and Michael Hayes as a tag team. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So the next match, yeah, he, he came oh, out of. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say he came out of WCCW with the Freebirds. Two yes. didn't need to go to Crockett. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yes. Okay, next match. Next match is the Retro Blood Man, the legend. Ron Bass. Close. Ron oh, Garvin. Ron Garvin. I was close. Yes. Yeah. He pinned Eddie Gilbert. Uh, Eddie Gilbert. Yeah, that'd have been a great match. Anything with Ron Garvin in it's going to be a good match. Yeah, I mean he's like everywhere. On this guy was like fucking. You know, in the eighties, man, I didn't realize how much like Ron Garvin was like around everywhere. Like every show, every everything. <laughs> yeah, and him and uh, yeah, him and Jimmy Garvin have that weird like family connection. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a very weird one. Which is hard to explain. Maybe we'll talk about it one day on the show. So the uh, the next match is the Sheep Herders, which we talked about a little bit last week when I can kind of compare them to the Briscoes. Uh, mm-hmm. Luke Williams and Butch Miller they defeated Ricky Santana and Robert Gibson. So, Wait a minute, Ricky Santana's in a match again? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I guess what happened was, um, yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean, the only, you know, because I don't have, like, the full show in front of me, but I could just imagine yeah. maybe, uh, um, oh, who's Robert Gibson's partner? Uh, Ricky Morton. Ricky Morton, yeah, maybe he was just injured. So he just is like, oh, hey, brother, you're, you're, you're still good. Throw you in there. So. Yeah, that is true, because Robert Gibson and in, in, I wonder if that is, if that's a misprint, it's supposed to be Ricky Morton. It could, oh, it could have been. Like I said, I don't have the actual match in front of me, so I'm just reading what I I have from this, uh, my research. But we can go with Ricky Morton, you know. We'll see. So we have the the NWA Western States Heritage Champion, Barry Windham, fought Larry Zabisco to a 20-minute time limit draw. So we have have brought back one of the most uh, prestigious championships and all the western states heritage champion i mean yeah i mean that's a pretty prestigious title yeah and barry windham is a great person to carry that i think yeah great champion over there and larry that's kind of an interesting match like barry windham versus larry zabisco in a 20 minute time limit draw wow i don't know i I mean uh, i was gonna say i wonder if that title has a cowboy hat on it (laughs) Like there should be a oh, yeah. cowboy hat on the on the belt on the championship. Yeah, maybe anyway, some spurs. Yes, it's <laughs> some spurs. Yeah, yes. yeah. That's very interesting. Like, uh, I probably have to, maybe I'll see if I can find that match and post it for somebody on the uh, the Facebook. A Barry Windham versus Larry Zabisco. Very yeah, interesting. I'm sure that was great. Kind of, you know, it's always fun. You know, the thing that I I think we talked about this before, but everybody, you know, who's new to our show and listening and wants to know a little bit more about pro wrestling when we talk about it. You know, the cool mm-hmm. thing that um, Crockett did and, you know, WCW later on did as well, too, compared to the to the F, the WWF, was matching people's styles different. You know, so a lot of times in the WWF, we would kind of, everybody would kind of have, like, the same style. You know, they could be, obviously, there'd be different characters and, you know, different, um, you know, big storylines and stuff but when it comes to the matches a lot of these matches were i guess structured very the same but it was really cool to like see like in like crockett where you can have like a guy like barry windham you know a 60 minute guy going mm-hmm. out there going crazy versus like some yeah. like you know catches catch can wrestler like larry zabisco just really like interesting like mixtures of styles yeah, and Zabisco is probably getting up there a little bit at this point. I, I think I Zabisco is more of a 70s wrestler. Yeah, I would definitely say so. Especially when we were talking about the NWA. Yeah. So, um, or the AWA, my bad. The AWA. Mm, yeah, right. So we this is a weird match, and I can't believe it was actually on at Crockett, but it says it right here in front of my face. Okay? We have Road Warrior Animal defeated the Warlord. Viva disqualification. So a couple things about that. One, yeah. there's no Hulk. Yes. No Hulk on the show. And why and but why do you think that's weird? Because the warlord no, and the Crockett? Well, two you know, two big dudes pounding meat on, on Crockett. Oh, right. Oh, that's what you're saying. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, the two big jacked up dudes, you know, you don't really you know, they had jacked up dudes in Crockett, but like, you know, if you if you think it like war you know, if I said, hey, I'm going to go watch the Road Warrior animal yeah. versus the Warlord, would you think I'd be talking about Crockett or no? Uh, I see your point, but I don't think it's that crazy. But I see what you're saying. So, I mean, I know the Warlord, he, he kind of like, 
started in Crockett. Yeah. So, so this is an interesting match. This is the, this is when the the car starts picking up even even more. Even though the car has been a good card so far, uh, but this match is definitely a uh, this is one that is like we you, you ain't gonna be going to the piss break on this one, brother. We have, no, you can tell this is this uh, is either the this is. If they did an inter- uh, intermission, which they probably did, this was probably the last match before the intermission. Yes. So it's Lex Luger and, I can't believe it, Ole Anderson. Okay. Weird. The tag team. They defeated NWA World Tag Team Champions Arn Anderson and Tyler Blanchard in a non-title match. Okay, that's really weird. So, All right, so Ole Anderson yes. I guess, is a face, I guess. Because when you first started mentioning it, I was like, okay, so it's Luger. So this is the this is a Luger. Well, this couldn't have been because Luger would have replaced Ole Anderson in the Horseman. So I was thinking, okay, maybe it was the two odd odd man out Horseman, but no. So I guess Ole is a face with Lex Luger against Arn and Tully. Yes, it's probably I wonder, just. I wonder how that came about. That's kind of weird. well. I mean, I, it kind of makes sense. So you know, when they kick Luger out, you know, they brought Barry Windham yeah. in. So now we're yeah. just having the two former people in the Horsemen, Ole Anderson, and Lex Luger, trying to get revenge. You know, makes sense to me. Well, that's that's true. Well, okay, that makes sense, I guess, for like a revenge angle. I've just never seen, I've just never seen Ole Anderson on the side of the faces before ever. But I mean, yeah, but true. yeah, your storyline does make sense when he's like, yeah. you know, getting revenge on the ones that were kicked out. Yeah. Well, you know, like Ole Anderson, like when you when a lot of wrestling fans, you know, think of him. You know, they think of him as, you know, Arn Anderson's, like, partner, you know, for a, yeah. for the longest time. And then, uh, you know, they also think of him as the uh, the booker in a lot of territories. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you talk to a lot of wrestlers, they probably call him an asshole as well, too. Yep. And what everybody says. Yeah, and, like, it just, like, everything that screams about this guy, like, it, it just, and even with the way he looks, like, there's no baby face to this guy. Like, he, right, exactly. It's just, it just like, when he, there's just no way. Like, front office, back office, in the ring, it's like, there's there's nothing that, that screams baby face about Ole Anderson. Mm-mm. So that's why it's very weird when we actually see him on a baby face team side. So, next match we have, which we talked about this match many times, NWA World Champ Ric Flair pinned Michael Hayes' brother. So we got that match back on this card. Yeah, that'd be great. And that's not even the main event. I mean, they were loading up. No, they were loading up this show. All right. NWA US Champion Dusty Rhodes defeated Nikolai Volkov. No, no, no. Uh, uh, Nikita Koloff, my bad. Nikita Koloff. Okay, very good. The Russian Sickle brother. Russian Sickle is back on the show. The Sickle. Look at him. He's going to get him. Uh, so apparently, um, so wait, actually, wait, actually, wait, hold on. Okay, so this is actually, I read this wrong, so let me repeat myself. Uh oh. So the main event that we have on this show, out of Atlanta, mm-hmm. is going to be for the NWA United States Championship held by Dusty Rhodes. And he defeated all these men. He defeated Nikolai Volkov. No, Nikita. I don't know if I say Nikolai. I don't know. Nikita Koloff. I don't know why I keep saying the other one. Nikita Koloff. Yeah. Dick Murdoch. Black Bart. Okay. And Bobby Eaton. Or Bobby Eaton. 
and a bunkhouse stampede yeah. match, brother. Oh, okay. So that's why. So yeah. that's why Flair wasn't the main event because you, your bunkhouse stampede was yes. the main event. Wild. Um, Allison, can that, you explain to everybody a weird... what's a bunkhouse stampede? Um, I kind I, of can. <laughs> I kind of can um, too. Uh, a bunkhouse stampede is kind of a crazy. It's a crazy match. So, so it's it's like a gauntlet match, but everybody starts at the same time. Um, so, well, I guess which I guess would be a battle royal. So it's a battle royal where you don't throw people over the top rope. We'll put it that way. Um, so it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a battle royal where you just fight and then pin people. I mean, is that what you? I mean, would you agree with with that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's pretty much like that's okay, what it yeah. is. It's kind of like a big mayhem kind of match, you know, like a like a battle royal, you know, kind of like a yeah, uh, um, yeah, like a big like kind of a battle royal, but you don't get eliminated by over the top. It's mostly like right, pinfall yeah. submission. Yeah, so it's a just, weird match. It's like it's a weird match. It's really hard to describe, but yeah, it's yeah. like a battle royal, but but you don't you don't eliminate somebody by throwing them over the top rope. Yeah. So yeah, and there's no it's no DQ. There's no rules. Yeah. So Dusty Rhodes probably in there giving everybody the elbow, brother. Taking home the U.S. strap. So very fun show, actually. You know, with the bull rope. Yeah. NWA always pulls out, especially around this year. They're on fire during this year. So. But that's, but that's kind of weird too, because uh, there's no Dennis Condry or Stan Lane. So, so Bobby Eaton was one half of the Midnight Express. So there's, so it, it's like a whole show of mixed up tag teams. Yeah. If you, if you I, think about it. It's just like nobody had their traditional tag team partner. Yeah, maybe they were just off because, you know, this was like maybe, a yeah. show and stuff. So, But let's get into some of the metal music. So we have uh, we have some drama going on. We not, not only do we have drama on Iced, we have some drama in the metal scene as well. Or maybe not, not like a whole lot of drama, but maybe a little bit, you know. Hmm. Okay. So, Allison, you'll probably know more, more about this story than me. So Hope I'll so. just tell you uh, well, basically what it is. So we're talking about the band Halloween. Okay. Okay. So around this uh, particular era, 1998, um, it doesn't really tell me the exact time that uh, this person left the band, but let's just assume it's around 1998 um, where the main singer of... Um, of the of the Halloween, uh, Kai Hansen. He's also the guitar player, as I believe, as well too. Yes. So okay, right. So yeah, that's a little bit confusing too. But yeah, go ahead and tell this, tell your story, and then I'll I'll explain. That. Yeah. So basically, he was touring with them around 1998, but I guess he kind of got tired of the touring, even though they're I guess during during this era they're starting to get very very popular. So he was like getting like kind of tired of the touring. So they eventually like parted ways or got kicked out. And then he formed the band I kind of want to talk about, um, the Gamma Ray. Gamma Ray, hell yes. yeah. So I was just thinking like maybe you can give us some insights about, you know, about him leaving the band and, and joining Gamma Ray. And then he eventually returned back to the Halloween many years later. I mean, yeah, he's in Halloween now. So Halloween now has almost everyone that's ever been in Halloween, I think. Um, but um, yeah, so Halloween originally, um, when they did, uh, 
Walls of Jericho, I think is what their first album yes. was called. The one where Jericho got his name. Yes. Yeah, so Kai Hansen was a guitar player, but he was also the singer. Um, so they released um, at one album at least with, with Kai Hansen singing. Yes. And then um, he he did. it's not that he didn't want to play. He was in the band a, a while after he stopped singing, but he he didn't want to he didn't want to just he didn't want to sing and play guitar I guess is what I'm trying to say, so they hired Michael Kiska to be their singer, and then he then that's when they got really big. So like most most Halloween songs that people hear today have Michael Kiska as their singer, um, and then um, Kai Hansen stayed for a while after after that I think they did uh, Keeper the Seven Keys one and two with Han- with with Kai Hansen. And then, then he just left over. Basically, my understanding was he left over musical differences. Like he didn't like the direction the band was going, um, and so he started Gamma Ray, which sounded more like early Halloween. Gamma Ray is a really, really good band. Um, and then Kai Hansen sings and plays guitar in Gamma Ray. Do they still? Like, does he still do that band or no? Sometimes, yeah. Um, he, I mean, now they're all f- firmly entrenched in. Uh, in Halloween, uh, for sure. But you know, because that's like now they're all because they have both singers and all three guitar players back in Halloween. So now they're doing doing that full time. But yeah, he, he Gamma Ray is still a, a band. I just don't think they've done anything in a long time. Um, but he, yeah, basically he just quit the band over you know personal differences with the way um, the way their sound was going. And if you if you hear halloween albums that they made after that because michael kiska was in the band too much, much longer yeah um, i want to say because that was 88 I, I think by 90 or 91 he was gone and they replaced him with uh the guy they have now up until well until they got kiska back i guess i could say um but yeah so gamma ray was basically like i mean it's still power metal it's like early it's like early halloween it's 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 fantastic um, it's it's absolutely great. Um, so now we have Gamma Ray and Halloween making great music again. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. How um, it that's very interesting too. Like so, so the band Halloween they released their Walls of Jericho album, and then not mm-hmm. even the second album, their main singer is already out. So I mean that's that that's kind of like a that's a little different. And... Mm, no, he didn't. He didn't leave. He didn't leave until. I think he, I think he was in there a little longer than that. I don't think so. I, think, I could be wrong. No, I think, I think it is because their, their, their second album was Keeper of the, the Seven Keys Part One. Yeah, that was the uh, yeah, Michael. And then Part. Yeah, well, uh-huh. right, but he's still in the band though. At this point, he's just not singing. Oh, okay. So he, so uh, yeah, he, so he, he's still he's just doing confusing. the guitar. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, so he, he was a singer and songwriter and guitar player for Walls of Jericho. Oh, okay. Um, and then he he decided he wanted to stop singing, and then they got Michael Kiska for uh, Keeper of the Seven Keys Part One, but he's still in the band until Keeper of the Seven Keys Part Two. Gotcha. Um, I'm checking now, but I'm pretty sure he played on that. Yeah, he did play on it, um, but he didn't write as many songs. He did write March of Time, which is my favorite Halloween song, but um, the um, but yeah, he he wrote less songs than you you know you could he, he could probably see the 
writing on the wall and then he decided to uh to uh to leave the band he didn't come back at the band until like 2019 wow so he's pretty much was just doing the whole gamma ray project he was yeah he was he was doing gamma ray from 1989 or 1990 i guess 1988 really when he left is when they first started uh, up until 2019 that's what he was doing full-time nice so there you go so we'll play a little bit of that uh that gamma ray at the end of the show gamma ray yeah brother Show them what they're all about. Absolutely. So, educate the people. Educate the people, brother. So that's pretty, you know, so we got like a little little bit of band drama. You know, not as not as much as the the Ice movie, but we got a little drama going on <laughs> with some bands over here. So let's talk about some of the Who Book This Shit. Yeah, Who Booked This Shit. So the Who Book This Shit is basically talk about some productions on the, on the, on the, on the movie, iced. So, so this one's a kind of you know straight to straight to VHS release. You know, got a little bit of a budget on here, and it was directed by. Let's see if I can, Jeff, Quinky. How do you say his last name? That's yeah, good enough for me. Quinky. Yeah, it's good enough for me. I'm probably gonna fuck this up. So this guy was born in 1951 in Los Angeles. Writer and director. Yeah. So the only thing I could find was like he had written some like animated shows. Yeah. Yeah, he did a couple um animated one. And he made um according to this, he made uh uh Beyond the Doors of Death Three, which I didn't know existed. Well he also I do like Beyond the Doors of Death though, that's a great movie. So Jeff or, uh, sorry, Beyond the Doors, what it's called. Yeah. He also uh wrote uh Illegal Alien. 1982. Mm. Instant classic there. Street Sharks. <laughs> 1994. Yeah. You know, I mean, classics. Okay, everybody. Classic, yeah. Classic movies we got this guy doing. He wrote three episodes of Animaniacs. Okay, well, that, oh, there you go. That's very interesting, right? Going yeah, from so. ice to anime. Okay. Yeah, right, right around the same time. Well, a few years later, I guess, in the 90s. So, I don't know. Chicken. What, what did he do? He worked on Cow and Chicken on one episode. The hell's a Cow and Chicken? It's an animated show that was on Cartoon Network for a while. I got you. So it looks like, you know, maybe yeah. his early 80s career was trying to do soap operas with horror movies in it <laughs> to animated kid shows. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Got to be a little different. Yeah, it makes logical sense. So there's not a whole lot known about this movie when I was trying to do research on it. So yeah, a lot of people really pretty much don't know why it's made. All right. <laughs> So the so apparently parts of the film were shot at Big Cottonwood Canyon in Utah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So the like this film was you know like we said was on VHS by uh, Primson Entertainment, CBS mm-hmm. Fox Video, it is only available on that format, and has of yep. as of this year it still has no DVD or Blu-ray release. Yep, it's never been released on DVDs. Yes. That's why. That's one of the reasons I wanted to do this movie is because I really like this—the idea of talking about these movies that are potentially lost. Yeah. To time, you know, like if we didn't still have a VHS copy of this from 1988, there would be no way to watch it if it weren't for YouTube, which is how we watched it. But yeah, somebody's uploaded this to YouTube in a glorious VHS format, I might add. 
Yes. And our VHS quality. Oh yeah. It was uh, it was exactly like watching a VHS and back yeah. in the day. Yeah, we watched um, it just like yeah, we this, would. Exactly. Yeah, and this would have been a lost movie if it weren't for uh, for somebody that put this VHS up on YouTube. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're probably the only podcast that's ever talked about this movie. Um, it's possible. I mean, I, I think when a lot of other podcasts did it, they do it for like bad movie night or something like that. But like, uh, I actually like this one. So yeah, I thought it was a pretty fun movie. But then again, I do like me some cheesy eighties drama. So exactly, the ending is worth watching the movie for, in my opinion. Well, that yes, true, but <laughs> that part didn't really make a lot of sense. But you know, fuck it. No, wait. All right? it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. All right, so I just want to take a little time to um, talk a little bit about Lisa Loring, who played uh, Jeanette on Iced over here. Um, unfortunately, back in January, she uh, January 28th, she passed away. Um, so she's most recognized of being the uh, being the Wednesday Wednesday Adams from the uh, the, ori- the original the Adams Family sitcom that ran from 1964 to 1966. So obviously she's playing a way different character on this show, Jeanette. Um, but you know, some things about Lisa, I, I heard that she was a very prominent um, figure going to a bunch of different cons. And I heard she was very easy to get along with, um, you know, loving the history about all her, all her accomplishments that she did. Very nice person to meet. Uh, I never met her before at a con before. Um, but you know, something like that, you know, when they, they have such a, uh, a prominent history of being on such a prominent show um you know sometimes after acting you can go and make um you know some money giving back to the community giving back to the fans and stuff but you know shouts out to uh, uh, lisa loring and uh, um what, what a tragic loss um but yeah i mean definitely uh made herself a little bit of a screen queen which we'll talk about over here um it's it, it, you know you know being like a child like actor and actor has to be you know pretty interesting you know like, I sometimes you get like you know typecast of what you did like when you were a kid. You know the the best example I can think of is like Macaulay Culkin. You know what I mean? Mm, like every yeah, fucking sure. year, people watch that Home Alone movie, and he's probably like so sick of that shit. You know what I mean? Like guys, I get it. You know what I mean, I, I think he's embraced it over time. You know, he's actually done some pro wrestling too, which I thought was kind of funny. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, he's done like other stuff that's actually pretty good. Um, that party monster movie he did was pretty wild, but you know, it's very interesting when you can have like, you know, like a, like a, you know, we see that kind of today, you know, there's a lot of like kids out there that they're on like TV shows, like the last of us. And, you know, even the, the new Wednesday and stuff, you know, they're not necessarily like the oldest people, you know, and those are like very, very hit style shows. So, you know, Yeah, yeah. I mean, but there's that whole, um, thing of well this this doesn't really apply in this which situation because there's a huge gap from when she was a child actor a actor to an adult actor but um but you know they 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 especially the especially girls tend to want to do that when they get stuck in some kiddie role they you know that once they get a little bit older they want to do some almost extreme role in the other direction you know what i mean like something more much more adult and sometimes they kind of pushed it a little bit too far maybe like the one I, i'm thinking of is the girl from saved by the bell who made showgirls yes elizabeth berkeley is that her name yeah so like she was you know she was kind of typecast on that that you know kind of teenage show 
And then she's like, well, I'm just going to do this show, this movie where I'm naked all the time um, kind of thing. So that, that could be kind of what this is. But there's a huge difference between, you know, Lisa Loring being six and playing Wednesday Adams to, you know, she would have been. What, about 30 something? She would have been 30 something when they made this movie. So yeah. she was a little bit older for right. sure. Um, she was she's actually been in a few horror movies. Yeah, that are pretty good. At least one of them we'll do on the show eventually. Um, there's one where the one that's about the the psychiatrist. Is it Frenzy? Psychiatry group. Uh, Blood Frenzy. Yeah, that's what it's called. We'll probably do it. That, that's got a great box, yeah. too. Better box than this one. This one just has the frozen girl on it. But Blood Frenzy has like this like knife that's going into like a jack in the box. Yeah. Which is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, she did yeah, that I movie mean, um, before Iced. So it looks like the, yeah, she, uh, yeah, the three. Yeah, that's older than Iced, yes. Yeah, the three ones she did was uh, Blood Frenzy, which sounds fantastic. Yes. Uh, obviously, Iced. And then she did Savage Harbor. Oh, Savage Harbor is good, too. So she did that one right now. So she, she had like a pretty, you know, she was, you know, becoming like a little bit of a scream queen over here in the uh, mm-hmm. in the 80s and stuff, like doing three back-to-back B ones and stuff. So, And apparently, before she did all this, she joined the, uh, the cast of ABC's sitcom, uh, the Pruitts of Sampton. Not familiar with that one. So she was also on the uh, CBS soap opera Has the World Turned. So she went right from the soap opera to fucking iced. I mean, perfect, brother. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that makes sense. Wednesday Adams to soap operas to iced. Yeah. I mean, duh. Easy transition, brother. That's how we yep. do it. So, but yeah, I mean, you know, a couple other people on there. There's not too much. Um, research that I really found any, any but of interest other than her on this uh, particular movie. Oh, before we get into the review, though, I do want to shout out uh, the uh, music guy who did this, uh, Dan Melner. Um, he uh, he did a great. I love the soundtrack on this movie, like the synthesized. Yeah, that's what he called like synthesized, like fucking music. Uh, there's like a random like. Not not so bad like country music. I mean country song at the beginning of it too. So mm-hmm. I actually thought he did uh, pretty good. <laughs> I actually thought like his music choice is pretty good. My uh, uh, I really like how he like mixed in like the uh, the synthesizer with some different parts of it, like that '80s like yeah synthesizer type of deal. So yeah, that that was really cool because you know the '80s were like the synthesizer synthesizer era. Yeah, and he was putting it know, everywhere. They, they, bro. He was put it everywhere. You know, you had the, what's that guy, Jan Hammer, the guy that did the Miami Vice theme. Yeah. Where, you know, you don't even need a band. You can just, you can do everything on a synthesizer now. So apparently he's and also I'm a soundtrack um, guy, though. He's also the founding member of a band called The Flying Cloud. Ooh. Well, did you listen to The Flying Cloud? What do they sound like? I didn't listen to them. But uh, <laughs> it's like folk music and shit. I'm not really a big fan of folk. Oh yeah, okay. But like he, you know, he's he wrote a lot of songs and stuff. Flying cloud, the flying cloud, brother. (laughs) (laughs) Right, I bet he was flying cloud in this movie. (laughs) Or how many people do you? How many people do you think were like fucking high, making this shit? No, I'm I'm sure they were. uh, Um, you know, it's just as many piles of snow as there were in this movie. I'm sure there were piles of coke as they were making. Oh, there had to be. Bro, that guy who played Carl, fucking, you know, he he did a great job. I don't think he was acting, brother. That's for sure. <laughs> so, but let's get into it, everybody, because I have a lot let's to talk it. about. Or we have a lot to talk about. 
when it comes to iced. Iced. All right. So we start by seeing ice skating. Yes. So I want to ask you, Allison, really quick. Okay. Yeah. So you're at the local uh, VHS store, right? We got to uh-huh. like name one of these VHS stores. Maybe we'll do like Allison's, uh, uh, Allison's In and Out. Okay. In and Out. Uh, yeah, we'll think of something. <laughs> yeah, we'll think of something. You know, <laughs> some video store that we magically go to. So we have you out there and stuff, and you're looking around for a horror movie to watch. We need to watch something. Like, would you pick out this? Like, Ice, do you think you would pick it out in a VHS store or what? What do you think? I did pick this out. Oh, I remember okay. one. I remember my VHS store having this. And I was like, oh, all the good movies are out. I'll just watch this horror movie. Yeah. And I did. So I don't know about you, but if I was watching this movie when I was about 15, 14 or 15 or something like that, boy, I would have hit gold mine because I'm like, oh, shit. It's like, a, <laughs> it's like you know, the cover doesn't have no naked girl on it, but I'm seeing like porn. Yeah, but. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of nudity in it. Oh, yeah. actually, there's not that much nudity in it. It just shows that same scene over, over and over again. Oh, no. Over and over again, brother. I'm telling you, <laughs> we got it. We're going to show it. So we're having uh, all these, like, uh, I guess, you know, there's, this is a weird, so I, I never ice skied before. Okay. Even though we have like an ice ski resort, like right near where I live. So yeah, apparently you ice ski at nighttime with flares on your hand. Um, I don't think that's the case. There, people, I think people do ski at night, but they have lights set up so you can ski at well, night. Why are these people holding up flares? I don't know. I, I, I think that's that's just something that the director thought looked good. Yes, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know why they're holding flares. I, I don't. This is not something I've heard of. But again, I've never been. I, I, I you know, snow skiing. I've never been. Uh, I don't know anything about it. So maybe it is a thing, and I just don't know. Maybe there's some. Uh, skiers that listen to our show that can tell us whether this is so a I got I got another question. Maybe I told you I was gonna ask you some questions. <clears throat> and they all yeah. happened at the beginning. So right. was there like some sort of like big like like ski movie that came out in the eighties or something that we missed? Because these guys well, were like go ahead. Because the only one I know that came I out was in the nineties yeah. and that was cool runnings. Alright, but I well, never that's seen a bobsled movie. Well it's fucking snow and ice, right? It's snow, yeah, you know, right. There's ice in it, yeah. So, um, ice. So, yes, kinda. So, I don't remember. The, I don't know. I don't remember there being like a a huge like popularity of skiing movies, but there were a few movies about skiing that came out in the '80s. I can remember. Um, like there's a movie called Hot Dog that came out in the early '80s. Um that was about skiing it was like a, it was a comedy though um because these guys were like super into it. um yeah yeah i'm trying to think because you you put me kind of on the uh kind put of you, put me on the uh, put you on the spot on the, on the spot there about about skiing movies <laughs> so i have to I have to try to bring back well while that, you look but, that um, up I'll, I'll i'll keep this going so oh, no, we, i'm doing this from the top of my head oh there you go bro <laughs> So we meet, um, we meet Corey, all right? Mm-hmm. We meet Corey, and we meet this girl, and her name is going to be Trina, mm-hmm. a white girl, by the way. Um, yep. uh, so they, 
he, it looks like he's like kind of like helping her out of her ski thing. And then we show we see this other character grab like the ski stick and push it right in front of him. And we found out this guy's name is Jeff. Jeff. And he is pissed off. Okay. And he's like, he's like all mad and stuff. And he basically is challenging Corey to a, like a snow off. Like, snow off. Or ice off. What, what do you call it when you challenge somebody to ski? Like, hey, I'm a better. Yeah, that's good enough. It's just like ski off. I don't know. So like this reminded me, I know it happened like years later, but there was this episode of South Park where yeah. I think it was like Kyle, they go to like the ski resort and like this guy is like challenging Kyle so much. The fight and Kyle's like, I don't I don't care. I don't really care about skating. This is reminding me of that. Like this guy was just like challenging and everybody was getting all pissed and they're like, you know, they're all all the other kids we made, they're like kinda like, you know, pumping on them to fight and stuff and do the ski fights. I was like, man, this is like this crazy for skiing. <laughs> like I guess. <laughs> so we have some like great music going on uh, at the beginning yeah. already. Um, so the, the, the main story is basically Jeff, he is, uh, you could tell right away that he has like an affection for this Trina girl. All right. And obviously Corey does too. Um, so we're, we're led to believe a little bit like that Jeff, you know, there's some sort of quarrel going over here. And this is also mm-hmm. too, when we meet, um, so you guys can't see what I'm doing cause we're not on video, but I'm doing quotation marks right here. We meet the mm-hmm. young version of everybody's character. Okay. So right, yeah. the, the, really runs. So we meet pretty much everybody kind of at the same time. We have uh, uh, we have Corey. He's that that guy that challenges Jeff to the ski to try to win over Trinity, or Trini, Trina. Sorry. We have uh, um, uh, Dana and John. They're there. Uh, we have uh, Eddie. We have Jeanette. All right there, and then we have Carl. So we have, we're kind of meeting our cast of characters very quick, and you can tell they're all like a, you know, semi-type uh, a group of friends over there too. And we also meet um, Diane as well. So after all this stuff, uh, like I said, they they got all you know they challenge each other to have the, the ski off, all right? And they keep like uh, Corey's like basically taunting Jeff a lot. He's like, you suck at skating, you know, all this stuff. Okay, so they ended up going, they they have a ski-off. So they're like, we see like mm-hmm. a, a quick, you know, ski-off of them going down like the the ski. <laughs> I'm lost over here. What am I supposed to call this stuff? So they're going down like they're skiing stuff. And eventually Corey beats um, Jeff at skiing. So Jeff kind of falls and stuff. And Corey was, you know, was just trying to give him a hand for a second. But then Jeff gets all pissed off and he's like, fuck this guy. So now we have we're back at like the uh, the hotel bar type area, and you know uh, the whole crew basically kind of arrives. Um, I think it was Carl the one that did the uh, where like he has his back turned and then he just like swipes himself around, and they all like go to these this chick over there. Like one of the guys go to this like one girl sitting at the bar, and everybody kind of disperses and stuff. Uh, Jeff walks in, he's all pissed off and stuff. And um, he sees that Corey and, uh, and Trina, they are, like, talking to each other, and then they eventually leave. And, and like, you know, Jeff's kind of, like, pissed about it. He's like, what the fuck? And then, um, you know, Eddie, he calls over, um, he calls over uh, Jeff to come over, and he's all like, I see you lost more than the race. More than the race, huh? And then he, uh, mm-hmm. 
Jeff goes all pissed off and gets out of there. So then we see Corey and we see uh, Trina laughing in the hotel. And then our boy Jeff is uh, sipping on something that's not water. It is not water. Yes. That kind of looks like vodka. <laughs> so uh, he goes in there. He goes on there all pissed off. Like he jumps into the rooms all pissed off and stuff. And then this is when we see, he's basically saying like, hey, you know, hey, to the Trina girl, like, hey, you came here with me. Like, what the fuck? And then Trina's like, I didn't come here. Like, okay, but by the way, did we mention there's gonna be a lot of drama in this movie? Like, I feel like <laughs> I'm going to be like reviewing, I feel like I'm reviewing like a, like a, like a uh, late night sick, what do you call it? One of those like uh, daytime dramas, right? For yeah. like half the well, movie. Right. <laughs> but it's yeah, great. It's almost like a soap opera. Yeah. Yeah. So he's all pissed off because... You know, the, this Trina girl is, he thought that she came up here with him. Like, they were, like, together and stuff. But she's like, no, no, I came up here on my own. So, like, I'm free to mess around with whatever guy I want to. I like this Corey guy because he has a nice chin or something. So, uh, so they, so Jeff's pissed off. He's, like, drunk, too. He's, like, pissed off and stuff. He's And then Corey, he's just fucking laughing, taunting this guy. Jeff snaps a little bit. He looks like he's about to, like, you know, try to fight um, Corey. And then fucking Trina just grabs his ass, tells him to get out of there, and he just leaves. And then and then Corey just starts laughing the whole time and stuff, saying, like, you know, what's this guy's problem everything? Laughing. And then they laugh together, him and the Trina. <laughs> so this is when, you know, Jeff, he's pissed now. Okay, so he goes back to his, uh, he goes back to his room, and he grabs a face mask for skiing. Uh-oh. And then he grabs... You know, he grabs uh, his his board. Then he walks out. He he runs into Eddie. Eddie had like the ski sticks in his hand. He grabs mm-hmm. those sticks from Eddie. And he's like, "Don't go out there, man! What are you doing? It's starting to snow." And then and Jeff's like, "I don't care. I'm going out there." He's like, "All right." So he passes him. Jeff like goes outside. He sees one of the security guards. The security guards like, "Hey, man! You know it's about to snow out here." So I guess when it's heavy snowing, you can't ski because you know. Fucking, yeah, I don't. I don't think. I think that's the thing. I don't think yeah. you want to ski while it's snowing. Yeah, because it's, it's probably just you know you get stuck. You probably just get stuck more. That's a, that's like yeah, maybe yeah. So Jeff, he don't care. He's like, I have an idea. I'm gonna ski. I'm so mad because the girl that I I supposedly came with, all right, didn't do anything. So I'm so mad. I'm gonna go skiing. But mm. before he does all this stuff, though. He is, you know, getting himself all worked up and stuff. He uh, goes to like a, like part of like the bar area. And he's like talking to somebody about like his problems. Like, you know, or suppose we don't see him talking to anybody. So it kind of looks like he's just talking to himself, you know, about yeah, like, you know, camera. what? Yeah, yeah. It's like nobody respects me. Uh, they don't like me and everything. And they say I'm a crappy seater and all this stuff about, you know, Trina as well, too. So then he gets mm-hmm. out of there and he starts skiing. We see him ski. And he eventually falls down, and it looks like he crashed somewhere. And next thing we know, we hear it now it's four years later. <laughs> randomly, four years later, after all this Random, stuff happened. Randomly, four years later. Yes. Okay, so this, I didn't mention this is not the, the only time this happens in the movie either. Yeah. So, okay, so I'm gonna have to repeat myself a little bit here because I'm gonna explain this Uh-oh. to everybody. Okay. So we have we have Jeff, you know, he's talking to like an imaginary person, 
Okay, mm-hmm. we don't know sure who he's talking to, but he's talking to some somebody saying like the group doesn't respect him. You know, he, he's he's having like, all these issues and stuff. You know, he's he thought that he brought this this Trina girl over here, and he's feeling like very very disrespected. You know, by this crowd and stuff. You know, then we have a couple of shots of uh, you know uh, Corey and Trina laughing in their hotel room, and of course Jeff can hear them, so he storms right in in there. And he's all pissed off and stuff. Obviously, you can tell he's been drinking something that's not water. Probably vodka. Mm-hmm. And probably. Uh, they're, like, fighting with each other back and forth. Corey's just laughing. He's like, give a fuck. He's just laughing all the way over there. Uh, eventually, Jeff tries to attack him. And then she stops him, like, super easy. Like, she takes control of this guy. I thought she was going to fucking, fucking beat his ass to the ground. And then he gets all pissed off. He eventually goes to his hotel room. Jeff does. Puts on, like, a, a deadly... Ski mask. Uh-huh. Mm. Sees Eddie in the hallway, grabs his sticks, and he goes out to go snowboarding. And, of course, the big thing is, like, they're all saying, like, hey, man, don't go out there. It's, like, it's like snowing. You know, don't do it. So I guess that's a big don't thing, you know. Too dangerous. Just, yeah, too dangerous to go out there snowing. You know what I mean? So, and then he runs past the security guard. The security guard tries to warn him as well, too. And this is when we get my my favorite music. In this uh, in this show, in this movie, it's like it's like this beeping. It's like kind of like this like a lot of beats to it. I liked it. Like the 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 whole music during this was great. So like <laughs> the scene is basically, <laughs> it's like Jeff skiing right, and then we're having mm-hmm. Corey and Trini like have some like 1980 sex, brother. Yes. So at first they're doing that that gimmick where you know. The girl's naked and the guy like is wearing like is it kind of like a cross of her? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So at first I'm like, okay, I see what we're doing here. We're doing that thing where like, you know, it's like made to look like sex, but it's not really sex or something. They're just kind of like just laying on each other. All right, so I'm yeah. like, okay, I can see that. That's they've done that as horror movies a bunch, you know. So Jeff skiing some more. The next thing I know, these motherfuckers are on the chair, just banging it out. I was like, what the fuck? Wow. So yes. they're just going to town on here. So so obviously we can see that Corey and the Trina, they're all like liking each other, like getting it on stuff, and Jeff is super pissed. And then we see Jeff crash. He like falls down. And then we cut. And then now it's four years later. So we're starting off yeah, hot, brother. Of. Starting off hot. <laughs> so we have like this random country music stuff going on. And this is when we have uh, Corey, we, and we have Trina, and now we have Jeanette. They are all in the car. And basically, they're talking about, like, uh, we, we find out that Corey and Trina are now married. Okay? We find out that Jeanette is having some trouble with her boyfriend, Eddie. And we found out that this is, like, you know, four years ago. And we find out mm-hmm. that they they got invited to... Uh, Snow Peak. All right, the most creative title you can come up with the with the place that does skiing. Snow Peak. Snow Peak. Yes. All right. Yes. Snow Peak. And they basically are doing they they they're having like a like a luxury suite, and basically what they got they got offered like a timeshare. So, you know, Allison, can you tell people what the timeshares are for people that might um, not know? I understand. My understanding of a timeshare—I've I've never had one—is that so basically you uh, 
you so like there's these properties um like condos usually i guess um sometimes there's ski lodges um or like beach houses things like that where you're where the where it would be really really expensive to buy a house a vacation home and which most people couldn't afford but you have these companies that sell these houses or access to these houses to lots and lots and lots of people. So they split up the cost of these houses and then you have, you share the time uh, at these houses with it. And then you, so you pay every month and it's like a contracted thing. You pay every month and then you can book time to go um, to the, to on vacation to these places. And I think sometimes it does work out really well, but the notorious thing about, timeshares is that you always get offered something for free like a free vacation and then you go on the free vacation and then all you have to do is just listen to our presentation about our timeshare and then they hard sell you on timeshares for six hours and then uh you either buy something you don't want or you're just annoyed when you finally leave and it ruins your whole vacation but yeah so that's basically the way a timeshare works i think it's like you you just you're kind of paying every month into this thing in the hopes that you'll be able to use, you know, this this area, this condo or whatever when you can go on vacation. So that's kind of what's happening here, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and of course Corey's making a joke saying, "I got probably got to put on my wife for a down payment." Yeah, because I guess it's expensive. Too. Yes, and then of course um, uh, Jeanette, she is ready for the hard sell. Okay. And this is when they bring up uh, Jeanette and Eddie uh, being in a fight. So I guess Jeanette told Eddie that she wanted to go up to this, uh, you know, this ski resort for the weekend. Um, Eddie didn't want to go because of all the uh, the uh, what happened four years ago. So we're getting like little hints of what happened four years ago, and is where we don't get the whole story yet because um, there's a little bit of drama that went down. I guess afterwards when Jeff fell. And she said they're basically they had a fight last night, so he does, she doesn't know if, if Eddie's going to show up or not. So they drive by Snow Peak. That's where that's our location for the remainder of the movie. So now we see Eddie. He like uh, he's like driving up and stuff. We had this '80s music going on. It's great. He gets his car stuck. All right, and then I guess he was like trying to find something to plow it out, to like kind of like plow out his car, and he, all he had was like, a chain on him. And then he sees a snowplow, and he gets run over by the snowplow. So we're we're led to believe that the killer inside this like snowplow machine is like, you know, possibly Jeff, because you know Jeff maybe maybe he's coming back after four years to get revenge, and all these. Well, the killer's wearing the snowsuit, right, and the goggles, yes, with the hole in them, the hole in the goggles, so you can see his eyes. Exactly. Um. The last that was the yes. same suit that Jeff same wore. Same suit, too. Yeah, so it must be Jeff. Jeff must be the killer. Yeah. So now, so now they all arrive. So Corey, Jeanette, and Trina, they all arrive at the uh, the little shack or the little uh, lodge in the lodge. Yeah. The lodge. Yes. Look around. They all love it. Uh, Jeanette wants to see the bedroom. Yeah, buddy. And yeah. Then she's she's walking in the ed- bedroom and everything, and then when she does, she gets scared by our boy Carl. He is there now. He he scares her in the closet. They all go up and talk to him a little bit, 
and they all talk about you know Carl being there, and they ask about, hey, where's the sales guy at? And then Carl starts acting a little weird. It's like, oh, you know these sales guys, they just kind of come in and out and everything, and you know, mm-hmm. like that. And then they're all saying like they they're gonna go meet downstairs, and then Carl gives them like a, a weird look, like a funny looking look. And when we find out, like none of that really like went anywhere. Not so, really, no. So. Yeah, and then, you know, Carl, because he said the line, he's like, oh, you know these sales guys. They're always looking for the kill. And Jeanette's like, is that what he said? And Carl's like, it's like, nah. It's like, that's just, you know, that's just what they're always up to. Riveting. Yes. Riveting drama. Yeah, so now Carl is now explaining to, he's explaining what his job is. And I'm going to ask you, this is another question I have for everybody out there and you, Allison. Oh, God. So... Apparently, if you're a pharmaceutical salesperson in 1988, you are automatically a crackhead. Apparently so, yeah. Is that correct? uh, Am I correct on that statement? uh, That that is the assumption that I get from watching this movie. Yes. Which is certainly a document of its time. Yes. So yeah. So if you were a if you were a pharmaceutical salesman, you were obviously doing the drugs that you're selling. Yes. You're obviously taking your samples. So basically what we find found out is, you know, Carl, he's a pharmaceutical salesman, but yeah, he, mm-hmm. lo- he basically just told everybody he loves like cocaine and shit. And I swear he said he paid for this whole thing as well too, because of all his pharmaceutical drugs that he did. Yeah. Well, or, or selling probably making a lot of money. He's probably yes. making a lot of money as a pharmaceutical salesman. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, yeah he, he definitely loves the cocaine. Now, I couldn't tell if he's like a legit one or he just sells like cocaine on the side. It's one of the two. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, maybe he just calls himself a pharmaceutical salesman and he yes. means that he's a coke dealer. So now Jeanette is now telling, uh, she is like, she's basically looking out the window, you know, because we hear from Trini that John and Diane, they're on their way. So we got the whole crew coming over here, minus Jeff. Uh, they're all coming to this uh, lodge for the for the weekend. And of course, you know, Jeanette, she is just wondering where's uh, Eddie's, Eddie's at, you know, because of all that fighting stuff. Mm-hmm. So the phone rings, and this is when we hear it's the, uh, the, the salesperson. His name is Alex. And then they, you know, they can't tell him not to come over because <laughs> he pretty much has to. And they all agree that he should come over at 830. And Jeanette was kind of liking how this Alex guy was talking on the phone. She was all like, oh, maybe if Eddie doesn't show up, maybe, you know, I have other options. Oh, okay. So now we having, um, we're having uh, John and Diane are now driving up to the, uh, to the lodge. And they're basically, you know, talking about, you know, this would probably be like a good therapy moment for them. Um, apparently... So, so one of the big storylines is is Diana it was like good friends with Jeff. So basically, what happened was Jeff supposedly died during the ski uh, incident four years before this. And one of the big things was, you know, Diana she was really big friends with Jeff. Okay, mm-hmm. and the the. The mother of Jeff like gave a lot of shit to Diane, you know. So during that whole like incident of him dying and stuff, and she had to go through like a, a, a some therapy for it, 
And, you know, this is like, she's trying to like put this behind her, but she agreed to come on this trip. Maybe she thought it would help her out. And we also find out that John, he is, he works in the medical field as well, too. Mm-hmm. So we're starting to, we're starting to get our cast over here going. So Corey and Carl, they, they're like skiing with each other, having a good old time. Um, so Corey, he loves it here. He's like, oh, I love it here, guys. You got the snow. There's no, it's not crowded or anything. I mean, this is perfect, man. So he, this guy would be an easy sell. All right? You fucking just get him no problem. Oh, yeah. So now, uh, Carl, he's now talking about whatever all like, these cocaine 80s guys talk about. He's talking about, you know, maybe he can pack this place full of strippers. Mm. And then uh, Corey then thanks Carl for the loan. So apparently Carl, like I said, he paid for everything and he gave Corey yeah. a loan. Which I'm saying all this stuff. This it doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> no, none of this has anything to do with the movie, really. Yeah, but I gotta say because you okay. So you know some of these plot lines are like okay, Carl. You could tell that he he's the one that paid for this or he's paying for stuff. Like, what does he want out of Corey? You know, maybe he wants something out of him, but he doesn't. He's just a good friend, I guess. So th- this is when they they kind of spill it up. They talk about the Jeff, you know. Or what happened, you know, four years ago with, with Jeff? Because this is basically like the same. I guess it's like the same ski resort that they went to four years ago as well, too. And you know, Corey was kind of like, you know, I know that all that stuff happened with uh, Jeff and everything, but I could thank him for being married. You know, if it wasn't for him, I would probably would never been married to the to, to Trina. And then like he was saying, like you know, Trina, she's still upset a little bit about him killing himself. So that's when we found out that Jeff, you know died during his little fall four years later right so so now carl is just making some jokes saying he wants to do a seance uh a seance how you say it seance 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 yes and he's doing some twilight zone stuff and um the killer looks on okay okay so now we see the character Alex, which at first I thought it might be Jeff, but it was Alex. So we see this character Alex. He's like daydreaming um, about uh, the incident that happened with Jeff. Uh, and then his, re- his receptionist wakes him up. Uh, you know, talks about like, um, you know, talks about this place, and they go over the the sales plan they have prepared for for the people. Um, so he's, he, they're, they're going over like different like sales options and sell stuff about the store. And he said he has this, uh, he has uh, some of these people he has to meet in stage one. So this is when John and Diane, they're, they have now showed up. They're all hugging stuff. They're all, they said Corey and Carl out skiing. Uh, Jeanette's still waiting on Eddie. She doesn't see him at all. Um, so this, she, Trina kept saying to Jeanette to show them the kitchen she wasn't paying attention. Um, then they eventually all go upstairs. So uh, our boy Alex is about to get ready for his presentation. Uh, Jeanette is now showing uh, Diana um, and about the room. And they're all asking her about Eddie. And she's kind of like saying, you know, her and Eddie had a fight and everything. So we're just kind of like regurgitating all the stuff that we heard. Uh, yep. then, then, then we go into John and Diana talking about Diana and Eddie. 
So I'm just like, at this point, I'm just like, okay, like, I mean, I get the, uh, I get the, I get the soap opera shit, but like, fuck, like, I didn't really expect this when I was watching this movie of all, like, you yeah. know, like the, just a lot of the back and forth, like drama that was going on with like, so, you know, yeah. all the couples pretty much get along except for, for, for Jeanette and this Eddie guy. And of course, Eddie didn't right. show up because he got killed by our snow killer. Exactly. So. This, this is kind of, this is kind of where I started to tune out. When, yes. when I say like I watched this movie back in the day, but I don't remember it at all. Yeah. So you know, it was kind of like watching it for the first time. So when I when I got to this at this point in the movie, I regretted picking it. I was like, holy shit! Yeah. Like, where the fuck is this going? Yeah. And the answer going? to that is uh, nowhere. It goes nowhere at all. Yeah. Not really. <laughs> like no. I think I think what this is supposed to be doing, it's supposed to be giving us like uh, it's supposed to be letting us get to know the characters, but it doesn't yeah. really do that either. Just all this random drama that's going on. So John sees a newspaper clipping of a Harvard student dies in ski accident, which is obviously alluding to Jeff. Um, and then of course we have the uh, the killer vision of him looking at everybody to the mirror, the killer looking at everybody. So now they're all, all the gang is now meet up together. So now Carl and Corey, they all meet up with the uh, John, Diana, everybody. And uh, and then this is like when they all, you know, they're all talking to each other. Carl tells them about his job and how much he likes blow and all the side effects of cocaine. <laughs> so they talk about, um, uh, they talk about, you know, this place probably being a good medication for all of them. Um, somebody didn't lock the door. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they all like resting up now, and this is when we get a weird scene. Uh, we, so they're all, everybody's back in the the house, and they all want to like you know rest up until they have some supper. This is when we cut to see Carl butt ass naked. All right, <laughs> and oh, actually no, before that we we have Carl. He kind of digs through his bag and he finds some drugs and a gun. All right, yeah. And this is when Diana's talking about her job at the hospital. So I guess she works at the hospital as well as John does. I guess they both work at the the hospital. John's a doctor, but she I guess she's just a, a inpatient nurse or something. And she's talking about this job that she was on, where she was all like, "Yeah." So she's talking to the, to the rest of the girls like Trinity and uh, Trini, Trina, and uh, Jeanette, uh, talking about how this guy had big hands. And the next thing you know, she he had a big heart on. All right. Nice. And then she's all like, now Diana is mad at uh, uh, Trina, uh, Trina, because of uh, when she got married to Cor- Corey. Now the mom wants her to get married to to, to John. And then this is uh, right when they're doing all this stuff. This is when we just randomly cut to Carl butt ass naked, and he's doing a bunch of blow. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I was like, what the hell is going on over here? <laughs> it's nineteen eighty eight, man. That's true. And then yeah, that that is very true. All right, this is uh so and then now we have Jeanette, she's saying that, you know, she's complaining about Eddie again. Like you couldn't do this girl was talking about Eddie for every five seconds. She's like, I know Eddie's seeing somebody else and stuff. And he's like, I de-, she's like saying like herself, you know, I deserve better, you know. Like I, I deserve better to be, be treated by this crazy Eddie guy. Exactly. Uh, and then she's all like, you know, it's like maybe I'll maybe this Alex guy will be something, or 
And then they're like, maybe Carl. And she kind of like, you know, kind of blows off the Carl one. So Carl's naked. <laughs> He's nervous. He's doing his blow again. And he hears something. So he goes upstairs. All right. And he has like a bloody finger. And then he eventually just like sees like a dead body in the bed. And he just randomly wakes up. So was he like dreaming of doing blow naked in the bathroom or something? Um, I'm assuming so. Yes. Cause I don't, I think that's, uh, I think that's how you did it in the eighties. Yeah. He just got naked in the bathroom, did your blow. Yeah. But he like dreamt about it. Well, that's true. Yeah. So like, I there's mean, a lot he, of weird dream sequences in this movie. Yes. The, uh, the one coming up is uh, probably my favorite. We'll talk about that soon. So Corey wakes up, um, and then eventually this is when John comes in, because kind of John kind of like the one that kind of helped wake them up. Shows him the newspaper article, and he's like, you know, is this some sort of joke or something that you're doing here? And, you know, Carl is basically just like, no, I didn't do this fucking, you know, newspaper and shit. Um, and then, you know, Carl and then John, they're basically saying like, you know, Carl's like, you just don't show anybody this because we don't want everybody to worry and stuff. I'm not sure why that newspaper was in there. So, they're, and they're just going to keep it. So, eventually, this is, and then also to this this character, Carl, he's like acting like very like skitzy right now. You know? You know when somebody's done like too much like cocaine and blow and stuff, they're like fucking like skitzy and shit? He's acting like that. And then, and then um, eventually, like, John sees Carl's gun. He's like, what the fuck, man? Why did you bring this gun here? He's like, you know, I just brought it here to be safe. And you can't be too much safe now. He's all like, I'm pretty sure you're going to be okay, man. He's like, that's the way I'm going to keep it. So you can tell, like, this guy's kind of off, you know? Like, we don't know if this guy has, like, a screw loose or something like that. So maybe all that yeah. blow is getting to his head or something. So now, uh, <laughs> so now we have <laughs> Trina talking about, they're all on the table now. Her and the girls all talk about this drive-in movie. Like, her, her, her whole experience she had at this drive-in movie. All right? Yeah. Talk about her date and how she got stuck in the, in the mud. And then we have that Carl guy. He's acting weird. He's Basically, Carl is trying to flirt with Jeanette at the dinner table. Why uh, Trina tells her failed uh, date in a drive-in movie. So, you know, you know back in the day... You know, driving movies, that's where you went to make some babies, brother. So I'm not sure who, who was daydreaming this one. Maybe you can help me out, Allison. Okay. Uh, I'll try. So there was a dude in the bathtub. I couldn't tell if it was Carl or if it was Alex. I'm pretty sure it was Carl. But I couldn't tell I was if it was Alex. But I'm, we're going to go with Carl. So this guy, after he's like acting weird at the dinner table, basically trying to flirt and fuck, you know, that Jeanette girl. This fucking guy is mm-hmm. in the bathtub, and we see him like daydream. I don't know if he did it her or he daydreamed it. I couldn't really tell, but we see scenes. It's of hard the- to tell. It's hard to tell. Yeah. yeah, we see scenes of this guy like having sex with her in the bathtub, and they're, they're yeah, well, going at we, it, brother. We we kind of see the same scene over and over again. Yeah, but over yeah. and over again. Yes. Um, yeah, it's it's it's. I, I I wasn't sure, so I can't tell if he's just imagining this like. Like it's a daydream or whatever, yeah. or if this happened and it's a memory, I, I'm not, I'm not sure. And they don't tell us, so yeah, <laughs> we'll but, probably never know. But then we see the next scene of Alex getting ready, 
And then his dad calls him. And then it's like, you know, the dad would be proud. But you can see, like, him and his dad don't get along too well. And he's like, yeah. you know, don't worry about it. You'll be proud of me and everything. And then we have everybody. Typical 80s movie. Yes. Typical 80s movie. The rich son not getting along with the rich dad. But right. there's reason for that. So this is when everybody's kind of getting ready because, you know, the the Alex is going to show up. And he's going to try to sell him or kind of sell him on the uh, the lodge up here front. So Alex shows up. He introduces himself as Alex. Of course, Jeanette's the one that answers the door and she's giving him the eyes like, oh yeah, look at this guy. I mean, this guy fucking, the chin for miles, got the nice haircut and everything, got the suit on. She is ready. She's like, fuck that Eddie guy. I am ready to, something's going to happen tonight, brother. All right. I didn't fucking have these guys do wet dreams on me for nothing. So Alex makes a joke. Oh, <laughs> you all prepared here for a funeral? <laughs> and uh, now he's giving up all the uh, what the hell this whole place is all about. He's like, yeah, this place is... Uh, he's like saying, okay, don't worry about this. I'm going to do a sell on you guys. This is just a formal meeting. And he talks about this, his dad and how his dad created Snow Peak. You know, with all, he bought the Snow Peak and created it. He's trying to, you know, make a, a, you know, a big, you know, luxury lodge. For everybody to, to to like. Trina goes and makes him some coffee. And then we see a pie and some knife next to it too. Like there's a close up shot of it. So we gotta we gotta remember that shit. Alright. Yeah. It's important. Yes. So after all this happens, now we have uh Jeanette and Alex. And they're all they're like kinda like just like laying on like the carpet together. And Alex is like, you know, talking about like, you know, where are you from and everything. And, um, you know, Alex is like basically like, oh, you know, I might have to. They're talking like a little bit. You know, he's about to leave. You know, he's like, hey, you know, I just kind of introduce. I just he just wanted to come over here and introduce himself pretty much. But Jeanette kind of wants him to stay. And she's like, hey, I want you to stay. I want to know a little bit more about you. And besides it's snowing out there and stuff, you know. So it's like, let me get you a brandy. I could give him a little drink and stuff. So you know if a girl gets you a drink, you know there's going to be some shit going down. You know it's going to be good. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, you know it's on. It yeah. So now, you know, they all take a, like a shot together. So everybody's taking like a shot together. They're all drinking everything. Um, and then this is when we have uh, Jeanette and Alex are talking about the fire. And this is when, like, Alex is basically saying how rich he is. Or how, how he is like... Yeah, I pretty much grew up rich and my whole life and everything. You know, so I was just always lucky that I had everything handed to me, basically. And then she tells, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then she tells uh, him about herself being like some makeup artist and how much she likes her job and everything. And then we keep having like a flashback of the sex scene in the bathtub. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we only paid for one sex scene. So yeah, exactly. We got to show it over and over and over yes. again. So Alex, you know, they start talking to each other and then basically they're giving each other some eyes and Alex is like, is it okay if I kiss you? And they start kissing. So I'm like, okay, they're kissing, you know, everything's going fine and stuff. And then next thing you know, they, they cut out and like everybody's just like surrounding them. Like they're all like, it's like everybody was in the same room when this girl just like fucking, you know, just kissing up on this guy and everything on the floor. And then mm. the, the phone, uh, and then this is another plot point. I want you to explain to me a little later too. 
So the phone rings. John answers the phone. Apparently the phone was for mm-hmm. Jeanette. So Jeanette goes to answer the phone. It's Eddie, apparently. Or it sounds like Eddie. Mm-hmm. And Eddie is making a weird joke that he is with Jeff now. And Jeanette gets pissed off, super pissed off. It hangs up. And she's like, what the fuck? You know, that, that was Eddie. He's like, he's my, uh, you know, boyfriend or former ex-boyfriend and stuff. And he's making a joke and mm-hmm. stuff. Eddie was with Jeff. And, it, and then, like, they're both coming here. And they're all like, what the fuck, Jeff? And everything, like, what the hell's Jeff? And then they explained to everybody that Jeff was somebody that they met here four years before. And he had some, like, mental problems. And he eventually killed himself and everything. So they're, tell- they're talking about Alex. And Alex likes, Alex saying, oh, that's kind of weird. Like, I thought that Jeff guy would be here. And they're like, what the fuck? What are, you, what, are you, what are you talking about? Why would this Jeff guy be here? He's, like, dead. He's like, well, I sent out, like, invitations to everybody. And he accepted it. And they're just like, what the fuck? You know, what's going on here and everything? And then they're trying to, they eventually realize that, you know, these timeshare people, I guess when you check into certain hotels and stuff, they'll send you like emails out to everybody. That's how they, they get your information, you know? So they, he said like, yeah, that's how I got your guys' information because you checked in here before. I just sent everybody an email and then the people who requested to come and everybody did and Jeff was one of them. And so the, everybody's all weirded, weirded out now. And I was like, okay, well, I'm sorry. Like, maybe there's like some sort of mistake. I'll go talk to my receptionist, and I'll, I'll come back. So he eventually leaves. Um, he gives another kiss to Jeanette because he still wants that booty. And then oh, everybody yeah. starts basically talking a little bit about, you know, what's going on here. Like, how can Jeff be here when we know that, you know, he's uh, dead and everything. And then eventually when they're all talking, they, they, they all now believe that's Carl. That's that's that Macy's doing all this. Like he, they, they all think like Carl's the one who's like you know, the 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 perpetrator of making this all happen. Do you believe it was Carl that made it happen? Uh, maybe, 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 maybe. Yeah, that's the best answer I can give you right now. Maybe. So he's doing all that. And uh, then, then, then this is when Carl's like, "Okay, John, just spill it out." And then that's when John tells everybody about the gun. He tells everybody about the paper. Diana's freaking out because that's when we figured out, you know, that Diane was a big close friend with Jeff, and she knew he knew him since he was five. The mom freaked out on her the whole time, so she is all pissed off. Carl's just making some bunch of jokes, so she gets all pissed off and everything. And eventually, Corey. Corey Breaks everybody all up. Tells Jeanette to get back on the phone with Eddie and see what's going on over here. And he said, like, make sure Eddie's not busting our balls over here. So we're now we're in the next morning. Or night. I can't tell it was morning. I think it was nighttime over here. I read nighttime. So John has an emergency call. Because remember, he's like a doctor that's on call. Mm-hmm. And sure. he is. Uh, he basically has to leave. And he doesn't really want to inform Diana that, you know, that he has to go. So he kind of like, kind of like plays it off where he gets there. He tells him, hey, I got this emergency meeting. I got to head on here. And he tries to go tell Diana, but she's sleeping. So he eventually just packs up and he leaves. Diana knows this, knows that he's leaving. Um, mm-hmm. Because she kind of, she, she, she wasn't sleeping. So she's talking to Trinity about the, uh, you know, her, her, um, 
you know, her leaving and says, basically, John needs me. He can't, he can't drive out there in the big snow all by himself. He's going to need me and stuff. So she yeah, ended up definitely. leading too. All right. And they go, they both go into the, so John gets inside the car. All right. He's about to leave. And the next thing we know, the killer shows up in the back and stabs his ass with a fucking oh snow stick. So now we have some action yeah. going on here. Yeah, with the ski pole. Yes. yes. Stabs him with a ski pole. Yeah. So we're finally showing, like, uh, you know, it took all this drama to get to this mm. one killing scene. Yeah. And so how, how many minutes are we into the movie now? So to be honest with you, we're almost done with the movie. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like, no, we're, we're only. <laughs> <laughs> Like the fucking all the killing happened in the last like what fifteen to twenty minutes, <laughs> basically. Other than the guy getting run over by the big snowplow thing. Exactly. Yes. So all the actual horror movie elements of this movie were only like maybe maybe at most like twenty five minutes <laughs> out of this hour yeah. and a half movie. Yeah. Most of it was yeah. all like I, w- I felt like I was one of those day. <laughs> I felt like I was trying to review one of those daytime like uh, soap opera shows. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, there's basically thirty minutes of story in this movie. Yeah. And then we add enough to get it to 86 minutes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, John's also pissed. I mean, before he died, he's also pissed about leaving, too. So then Diana gets in the car with him. She's dead, John, uh, in the car, freaks out. And then we see the uh, the killer get her, too. Because he was like kind of like on the window, then it kind of cut the scene. Oh, no, no. She runs out of the car. And he grabs a ice pick. Mm-hmm. And then he grabs her. He pushes her up in the air like Michael Myers. Because he has Superman strength. And he stabs her. Yes. And right when he stabs her in the eye, we see Carl stabbing the ice bucket. So we, we can't pay for that ice in the eye scene. So Carl's there. All right. And Jeanette walks by. Carl asks her, like, hey, you know, do you want to sleep with do you want to sleep with me tonight? You know, because of all the ghost. <laughs> so he's trying hard over here, brother. Alright. And you know, Jen uh, uh, Jeanette still thinks it's uh, Eddie that was like playing on them. And then, you know, this is when Carl's like, Oh, you know, it's okay, you know, you looked happy. You know, throwing yourself up with some of those playboy billionaires. And then he was all like, he seemed like he was liking it. And she's all like, oh, that's like the nicest thing you said to me, you know, so far. I appreciate it. Oh, and then he sad. like, and then he like grabs her. And like fucking like just grabs her ass. It looks like he's like biting her fucking neck off like a vampire. And then they mm-hmm. fall to the floor. And then we fucking cut the scene. Okay. And we're seeing some like skiing outside. And then we see like 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 a girl getting naked near the window. Oh yeah. And then next thing we know we just see Carl, he's just sitting alone. So I was like, Well well what the fuck? Did we miss something? Did we cut it for something? Like what happened? Like this guy's attacking this girl and the next thing you know, she's like upstairs getting naked and then now he's just sitting in a chair. What happened? What did I miss? Yeah, it does look like something's missing. Like, you know, it's like they're trying, like they cut something out of it that yeah. should have been there. Well, fuck, man. We got, uh, I got yeah, a thousand really scenes odd. to cut out. Why did we cut out that one? Why did we, right. Why did you cut that out? 
of all things. So Jeanette, she is getting naked, even though it's probably below zero outside. Mm-hmm. And she has decided to do some hot tubbing by herself. Okay. So she's in the hot tub, just hanging all out, tits everywhere. Our oh, boy, yeah. the killer, grabs a an electric type structure. Did <laughs> I get that right? <laughs> Sure. Yes. Yeah. Something electric. Something yes. electric, and throws it into the hot tub, and then she, she shocks herself. To, yeah, she gets electrocuted to death. So there you go, hot tub, brother. Death by hot tub. Death by hot tub. So now, Carl, like, I don't know if he heard something or what. He just like randomly grabs his gun that was in his cowboy boot. Okay. And. He goes outside and he, I guess he's like, I guess maybe he heard something outside, but he's like walking outside and we see the, uh, the killer is like supposedly laying some traps and eventually Carl, he gets caught in a bear trap and then like this, like, so it was like the weirdest scene. So we had this very shady style character that you thought that maybe he was like maybe in on it or he was the killer maybe in on it mm-hmm. or something very like you know weird everybody likes the guy but he's also very like weird you you also thought that maybe like the mafia was coming after him or some sort of drug dealer that's why he had the gun on him at all times and he gets ca- caught in a bear trap and he shoots up in the air and that's that's it and then he gets caught um, so now Corey, he is now wake up. I guess he hears, he maybe he heard the gunshot. Um, it's heavy snowing outside. Uh, Corey's asking for Carl all around the house. And then he eventually sees like, oh shit, there's some cherry pie right here. I'm going to eat this cherry pie. Oh yeah, why not? I'm going to eat this now. cherry. I'm going to show us having two two minutes of me eating this cherry pie. <laughs> And then he knows, like, oh, wait a minute, where's that knife that that cherry pie was by? And then that knife stabs him right into the fucking shoulder. And you've never seen a guy take a more bump in your life than this guy. Fucking stabs him in the shoulder. I mean, this guy was basically much dead. All right. He just gets stabbed in the shoulder, falls down, out, out like a light. Death by stabbing of cherry pie knife. So now it's the next morning now. Trina now wakes up. She can't find anybody. It takes her like 10 minutes to find something in her fucking purse. Like a flashlight. She gets the flashlight. There's no Corey upstairs. There's no Jeanette downstairs. This is all scenes that we're doing. Uh, she goes outside. And then she eventually sees the dead Jeanette in the hot tub. Frozen over. Pretty crazy scene. Yes. That was pretty cool. I like that scene. So she goes back inside. And... Apparently, Corey is still alive, but he, for the whole night, was stuck on the floor with a knife through his shoulder. So apparently, he couldn't move or nothing. So, like, I suppose, I suppose so. I mean, maybe he didn't want to take it out because it hit an artery or something. I don't know. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think there's that much thought in this in this uh, in this movie at all. But so, maybe yes. Yeah, so he's there, and she, you know, the trainers are she's already freaking out. And then basically, Corey is basically telling her to leave and get out of here, and like, run, and get out of here. So she, that's what she does. She runs and gets out of there, 
can't get into one car, tries to get into another car. And then when she tries to go into the red car that John and Diana are in, they, she sees them both dead. She then freaks out. She, she finds Carl. Carl's dead. This character didn't do fucking nothing. He just fucking nope. died so easy. We didn't even see him die. He's just dead over there. Like, we didn't even see yeah. him die. We just saw him get caught in a bear trap and shoot up in the air. And next thing you know, the next thing we see him, he's like dead frozen in the snow. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're so close to the end of the movie now. We've got to get through. Bro, they're hurry. Bro, they're 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 hurrying up everything. Like they're just like, we gotta get yeah. this shit going. Okay. So she grabs his gun, and then she eventually finds his keys. So now she's back inside, and she finds Alex's card. So now she calls Alex. She said, "Hey, you need to come over here. They have all been murdered." And he's like, "What the fuck's going on over here?" And then we have a couple scenes of some dead bodies. And this is when um, uh, Trini, she's about to leave, but then the ski killer attacks her. And Corey, like, why? Like, basically, he, like, attacks her on the stairs. So they're kind of, like, walking up the stairs. And then during all this, Corey, mm-hmm. he, like, wakes up. He's, like, crawling towards the stairs, too. So they're going back and forth and everything. Like, she hides. She gets away from the, from the uh, ski killer. She, like, hides under the bed. She grabs some scissors. She eventually, like, tricks him and pops out and, like, fucking stabs him. The, the, the ski killer right in the leg. But the ski killer didn't, like, sell it any. He's, like, like nope. pushing her down a little bit. And then um, she finally, like, you know, so she's getting a little bit of the upper hand on him. She's asking who you are. And then she eventually takes off the mask. And it's revealed. That it was Alex all along. Oh, shocking. What a shocking ending. And then Alex is like, I saved you for last. And he's like, look at this. He pulls up his pant leg. It's a false leg. He said, like, now he now it's kind of like one of those Scooby-Doo villains right now. <laughs> <laughs> he fucking reveals this whole master plan. <laughs> he's like, see, it was like, see, said like yes Jeff was a long I was a long term friend of Jeff he was that guy he was talking to you know that night about all you guys and how you're driving his life insane alright we were always friends and everything and then next thing I know when he went out to go snowing I went to go find him and when I found him I found him laying there and I tried to help him and I fell and when I fell and everything I broke my leg and I became a crippled you know who doesn't like crippled? My dad. My father doesn't yeah. like crippled. Everybody's talking to me like I'm crippled. So <laughs> so now, Trina, you killed him. And you killed me. Now I'm going to kill you. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And then uh, he's, and about to, <laughs> he's about to like smash her. And then Corey shows up, like mm. crawling through the whole thing. I guess during his little spiel, he had like enough time to crawl up the stairs. Shoots his ass. All right, fucking um, Alex like falls out the window and he gets his like leg caught up on like the the balcony and just falls right down, mm-hmm. brother. Smack on the floor. Smash. Yep. So what did you feel? Was it a shocker when Alex was the killer the whole time? Well, you know, it was uh, it was surprising. That's for sure. I would say. So now, um, so now the the, the cops, you, you kind of so like. After like um, 
Alex falls into the snow. Like, Corey just passes out, so we don't know if he died or not. So he just, like, passed on out. And then we see, um, then we just randomly cut to, like, a family and their mm-hmm. kids, like, building snowmen. And they're all, like, yeah. building snowmen. Everything's all good. And then the wife puts, like, the eye on the snowman. Well, no, no, no. Hold on. Before you get there, though. So then it, the, so then we have another time jump. Yeah. So then it says five years later. So oh, okay. this movie's taking place over nine years. Yeah. So we had four year time jump and now we got a five year time jump and now we got the kids building the snowman. Yes. And the wife's going to put this, the eye of the snowman on. Yes. So she puts the eye of the snowman on there and it starts to bleed, brother. I'm like, Oof. is this Jack Frost? Like, what Very are we doing over here? Terrifying. Can make a Frenchman? Blame, uh, yeah, bleeding snowman. That's terrifying. Bleeding snowman. And then boom, out pops snow ice creature Alex for a sequel that's never going to be made. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking. It's like for a sequel that we'll never see. So, yeah. So, um, th- to me, the ending of this movie is almost worth watching the whole thing. Um, just like the ridiculousness yeah. of him popping out of the snowman. So, like, how do you even do that questions. with one? How did he even do that with one leg? Does he have some sort of ice leg, or we don't know about? Maybe he has an ice leg. Yeah, he has an ice leg now. But like, so, so, what? Why? How? How did any of this happen? It's just, it's just so absurd. Like, so they just built the snowman. Did they build it around Alex? I, uh, I don't know. I mean, and uh, <laughs> yes. And why is, why is he bleeding? Why is it bleeding? Like, why is the snowman bleeding? What does that have to do with anything? And then, not to mention, like, how did he even get there? And why? Why is he there five years later to kill these people? But, or I guess, I, I don't know. Well, see, what happens it's, here, Alice, it's very simple. <laughs> All right. So, Alex, he's rich, by the way. Did we, did we mention that? We mentioned that, yeah. He okay. is. So, he's rich. So, he's rich. So, basically, what he did was after he died, he turned himself into a ice creature. Oh, okay. Who can now uh, hibernate in snow. And what he can do is um, he can liquidate his form into a snowman. And then he can right. unliquidate his form into a male and pop out of it. I see. So basically, right. he just liquidated it into water. Yes. Into snow. And then they built, they used his snow form to build the snowman. Yeah. And then he just pops out of the snowman. Yeah. Because, you know, this movie has supernatural shit that wasn't explored. We n- that we never talk about yeah. after the seance, yeah. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. I mean, duh. I just, I, I mean, I just can't imagine, like, someone wrote this script and said, yeah, this is good. Let's do this. Yeah, the ending, yeah, I mean, it should have just ended with them just falling down and shit. Like, we don't, we didn't really need right. that extra shit yeah. on there. Yeah, because yeah. it doesn't add any, it doesn't even make any sense. Yeah. But it's, it's so absurd that it's just, it's just fun to watch. Yeah. So, like, I mean, I I mean, I I did enjoy the movie though. I thought it had like a lot of like fun parts to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, some of the drama, it was, was kind of lagged a little bit. But you know, I thought the uh, Jeanette character of her screwing around everybody was pretty fun. Um, Carl's character was just so weird <laughs> that I was just like, okay. This guy, like, it doesn't really, his character, like, you think his character is going somewhere, but it just, like, doesn't do anything. It's just, he's just, like, no. there. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, the Maybe whole. Maybe it's just a product of his time. Yeah, the whole backstory of Alex and Jeff being, like, best friends for some reason. 
because we had to have some sort of shocker killer and stuff. So, you know, it wasn't a bad movie. You know, I, I would say I, I enjoyed it. You know, it had all, all the stuff you would look for in the 80s horror movie. Mm-hmm. You know, you yeah. know, fucking uh, a teenager plot or like fucking, uh, you know, drama plots to it. Kids wanting to sure. have sex everywhere. We're out here in some random place that you know you could see being trapped in somewhere because they they give you like a logical excuse to be trapped in because it's snowing everywhere and we have a killer who is out for revenge i mean there you go so yeah i mean to me it just seems like you know it's 1988 now so horror movies are big like they're making money you know they're they're big time now so not underground anymore so i could see like how some producer could be like, oh, we need to make one of these horror movies. We need to make a slasher movie because they're cheap and we'll make a lot of money. And this is just what they came up with. Yeah. But like I said, I don't hate it. I mean, like, I wouldn't watch it on a regular basis, but I might show it to somebody just to show them how ridiculous it is. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, the only thing I could say, you know, one of the things is like, you know, this movie is like one of those like fun movies. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you don't have exactly. to have like super duper creative like, you know, killers and death scenes and stuff. I would say it's just kind of like a fun, you know, during its time, you know, fun style movie. I would say so. You know, we're we're getting this uh, we're getting this iced, uh, you know, theme going. I'm digging it. You know what I mean? You know, it, like I said, like you know, I think it's like more of those like like placional movies, like. Like, you know, we're stuck at, like, a, a lodge with this killer who brought us all over here, you know what I mean, to 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 stalk us and kill us to, for revenge on his kid and everything, so, or right, revenge on right, his friend right. and everything, so, you know, definitely, definitely pretty fun, so, so, yeah. Yeah, almost, it's almost like, uh, kind of like the Agatha Christie story, and then there were none, where all these people were brought to this place who had committed some kind of a misdeed or whatever and they're all being told that they're going to be killed one by one when it's kind of like that in a way yeah so definitely pretty fun but everybody that has been our review of iced 1988 everybody check it out mm-hmm. very fun movie hope you guys all enjoyed the review like i said if you guys like what you hear join us on our facebook group page just click the little like button be like our boy carl and just fucking just like it you will be safe and uh, and then you know check us out on the uh, the Facebook um, fan page as well too. You can see all the episodes, links to their great shows, everything. Check us out on YouTube as well. But Allison, what are we going to be reviewing next week here on our iced uh, on our, our snowy, frosty, nineteen eighties horror movies? What are we going to be seeing? All right, so we're um, two thirds of the way through. Um through our ice and snow month, let's um, we ne- ne- next week we're going to be reviewing going back to 1984, and we're going to be reviewing the movie Satan's Blade. Oh, Satan's Blade, brother! Satan's Blade. Be careful! I got that blade, brother. Probably Alex. He's a big fan of uh, uh, Satan's Blade. I can see that. He seems like he'd be a number one fan. So, um, all right. So what are we gonna be? Uh, Taking everybody out of here with Allison when it comes to the Gamma Ray. Uh, Gamma Ray, let's listen to uh, Master of Confusion. Oh, everybody, Master of Confusion. Which is pretty much how I was when I watched this movie. Yes. 
is if you're confused about all the drama happening of who is Jeanette going to sleep with next, brother, this is the song for you. Because we don't yes. know who she's going to be dipping in. And I don't know, if that, does it count, though, that uh, our boy uh, Carl or Alex, like, they dreamed about her having sex with her in a bathtub? Does that count? I think it counts, yeah. I think it counts, too. So, so Alex got what he wanted. He got some of that poontang, and then he got to do his little electric bat, uh, hot tub in at the same time, but like some revenge. So, all right, everybody. We will check you later here on the Retro Grand. Oh, yeah. See you guys. Ghost of the machinery